It's 8.30 p.m. in Northern California, and we've had over 38 degrees Celsius today, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm outside, and I hear the freeway and the bird. Not sure what kind of a bird that is. And my cat wanting to come out. Last night, my kitties had a rambunctious time outside. One was out, tried to get one back in. The other one went out. They were both out for a while. It was too hot in the house. All I have is ceiling fans and fans and the hope for a delta breeze to cool my house down. So I'm out in the yard tonight, away from the fan noise. Yeah, making a cast about, at dusk, about the lady in gold. It's called The Outsider tonight. Lurking at the fringes of Adele's world was a penniless, shabbily dressed young man from the provinces who came to Vienna with dreams of becoming an artist. This man's troubled parents, like Klimps, had been unable to meet his basic emotional needs, much less provide. Sorry, I have to get my book in the right position. <sighs> much less provide entree into the cultural menu he longed to join. He was shy, unconfident, awkward with women. His name, Adolf, was from an old German name meaning noble wolf. His surname was chosen by his father, Alois Schickelgruber, who was born out of wedlock and as an adult adopted a variation of the name of the man his mother had later married, Heidler, spelling it Hitler. Hitler was Austrian, though the world forgets this. He grew up near the German border in the stronghold of Austria's ferocious promoter of anti-Semitism, the politician George von Schonerer, a region where the German nationalist salutation Heil was already popular. In Linz, Hitler studied at the same school as Ludwig Wittgenstein. I hear people in my yard here are little critters. The son of, a, of the secession patron. Though they were the same age, Wittgenstein was two grades ahead. Wittgenstein became one of the century's most influential philosophers, mapping the way in which the limits of my language mean the limits of my world, the manner in which language shapes thoughts and perceptions. Young Adolf had a different destiny. He got poor grades and was asked to leave school at 17 in 1906. He headed to Vienna. Let's see here if I can... He headed to Vienna. Where am I? I 
had to move away from the, the noise of the neighbors. <sighs> it's nice out here, though. There's a breeze. Okay, he headed to Vienna to study art at the court museum. But he found himself irresistibly drawn to the Ringenstrasse. For hours and hours I could stand in wonderment before the op opera and the parliament. The whole Ringstrasse had a magic effect upon me, as if it were a scene from the thousand and one, and one nights, he recalled. Hitler moved to Vienna in 1907, renting a tiny bedroom in a crowded district. His room was a few doors from the Aldoiches Tagblatt, or Pan-German Pan Daily, which, <laughs> which endorsed the anti-Semitic Schonerer and advocated Anschluss, the linking of Austria and Germany into a single German Reich. In September, Hitler walked to the Academy of Fine Arts to take the admissions test, expecting it to be child's play, but he failed the drawing exam. He was so convinced of my I was so convinced of my success that when the news that I had failed to pass was brought to me, it struck me like a bolt from the skies, Hitler remembered. Crushed, he walked out of the majestic academy on the Schillerplatz for the first time in my young life at odds with myself, Hitler recalled. My dream of following an artistic calling became beyond the limits of possibility. Some would blame Hitler's rejection by Jewish professors for his subsequent anti-Semitism. But none of Hitler's jurors were Jewish. In fact, Hitler was the beneficiary of kindness from Jewish Viennese. As he became an increasingly down-and-out artist, he moved into a six-story men's shelter in a crowded workers' district on the outskirts of Vienna, a hostel financed with large donations from Baton... Oh, no, no, no. From... I was reading Nathaniel. From Baron Nathaniel Rothschild and the, Ger and the Gutmans. The Jewish owner of a frame and window store, Samuel Morgenstern, became the buyer of Hitler's drawings and watercolors. Morgenstern, a kind, entirely self-made man, felt sorry for Hitler and managed to interest his customers in Hitler's mediocre architectural scenes. The Augsburg, Augsburg Palace, the Parliament, and the Berg Theater. Rejection from the academy was hardly fatal. Another man excluded in 1907 would become a dire its director years later. But Hitler was immersed in a Vienna that offered him a scapegoat for his woes. He initially disapproved of the anti-Semitic rhetoric of Karl Luger, but he soon became fascinated by beautiful Karl, a fiery, charismatic orator who was able to focus popular discontent on the liberal Jewish intelligentsia. Luger railed against the press Jews and the ink Jews, the money and stock market Jews. He promised to liberate the Viennese from the shameful shackles of servitude, promised to liberate the Viennese, oh sorry, <laughs> from the shameful shackles of servitude to the Jews, 
once suggesting that Viennese Jews be marched onto a boat and sunk on the high seas. Soon Hitler would confess open admiration for Luger, the greatest German mayor of all time. Living at the fringes of society, Hitler began to transform his frustrations into resentment against Jews who enjoyed privileges denied to him. Jewish youth is represented everywhere in the educational institutions, while there were hardly any Aryan youth, he would write in Mein Kampf, My Struggle, the bestseller he wrote from prison after his failed uprising in 1923. Like Klimt, Hitler saw salvation and dignity in art. He was dazzled by the 1907 production of the Richard Strauss opera Salon, but perhaps reacting to the chaos of his childhood, Hitler sought an orderly, tidy art. He avoided the bright colors that arose that arouse emotions. He shied away from portraying people, creating instead tourist scenes that were linear and unimaginative, devoid of innovation or originality. Hitler was an admirer of Makart. He blamed Jewish tastes for promoting Vienna modernism, which he would dismiss as nothing but crippled daubing. Anything wholesome was called kitsch by the filthy Jews, he complained. But some modernists were embraced by critics and patrons. Sorry, one second. Bug on my nose. (laughs) Okay. But some modernists were embraced by critics and patrons. As Salieri once asked of Mozart, how could God love them more? For this, Hitler blamed the Jewish press. At a time when Felix Salton and Berta Zuckerkandl were prominent arts writers, Hitler disdained the art reviews in which one Jew scribbled scribbled about another. This race simply has a tendency toward ridiculing everything that is beautiful and it frequently does so by the way of masterful satire, Hitler wrote. Behind that, there is more. Behind that, there is more. There is a tendency toward undermining and toward ridiculing authority. He began to loathe Eastern Jews in their black caftans and the odor of those people, which often used to make me feel ill. Those are in quotes. He began to see Vienna, Jews as germ carriers of a moral pestilence that was worse than the Black Plague. Hitler asked, was there any shady undertaking in the form of foulness, especially in cultural life, in which at least one Jew did participate? On putting the probing knife carefully to the kind of abscess one immediately discovered, like a maggot in a a putrescent body, a little Jew. How disgusting, excuse my commentary. As he, at the, as his, sorry, at his hostel, Hitler regaled other penniless men with his belief in the creation of a single country with a united Germanic nationality. He derided Vienna's linguistic babble and longed for the hour of freedom for my Jewish, German, Austrian people. Only in this way could the Anschluss with the old mother country be restored. Years later, Hitler would recall 
how his Vienna ordeal had turned into the greatest blessing for the German nation. Being deprived of the right to belong to his cherished fatherland would give Hitler the impetus to bring Austrians together with their mother country. When Hitler left Vienna in 1913, his obsession with German hegemony was inseparable from his belief in a Germanic art, reflecting the Volksch values of his fatherland. If Adele had passed Hitler on the street in Vienna in those days, carrying his paints and pastels, she would have seen only an unfortunate young man lacking in confidence. She probably would have felt sorry for him. And that, I believe, is the end of that chapter, which is called, of course, The Outsider. Next, we will read about the painted mosaic. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed, so far, the reading of The Lady in Gold.